0: Well, this morning uh, we have part two of last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we've started talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, it's Red Letters and it was my first week on Red Letters. I, I felt like I missed out uh, because it was like everyone else has been preaching in the mornings and I just got the last tail end of it. Uh, but I was excited to realise that there's one more day in this month and that's today. So I thought I would do part two of the Beatitudes. Uh, do you realize in the Beatitudes in Matthew that there are eight declarations? Has anyone read through that and actually counted? There are eight declarations in there. Uh, the Beatitudes, sometimes people think that the Beatitudes is something to do with your attitude, but, but really it's nothing to do with attitude at all. What it's to do with, it's, it's really to do, Beatitudes means supreme blessedness. Right. Do you realize that? Some people don't realize it. it's, it's about supreme blessedness. And so right there, within the scriptures, within Matthew, it talks about eight supreme blessedness for all of us. But then if you start to have a look through and, and you look down at the word blessed, and, it, and if you read through there, in, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 to 10, it always says, and it starts off, every verse is, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. If you start to read through that, if you know what the word blessed means, then maybe you would start to read it a little bit different. The word blessed actually means to be enlarged. No one likes that, do they? We like the word blessing, but we don't like the word be enlarged. Really, who wants to be enlarged? Who wants to be stretched? So this morning, because a lot of people don't like that, we'll use the word blessed. Is that okay, church? Are you happy with that? Does that tickle your ears a bit more? So as I was thinking about going on to this next phase, is that we've already covered in the first week the first four. And so this week I want to cover the last four. We covered in the first week, we covered blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is concerned with our spiritual realities, not our material possessions in that. A lot of people think that the poor in spirit is, you know, we go out and we look after the poor. No, no, the poor in spirit are those that are away from God. The poor in spirit will be blessed are, are those that recognise that they are utterly bankrupt spiritually without God. You move on to the next one. It says, "The blessed are the, uh, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, In other words, those that have a revelation that they are bankrupt without God come into a place where they mourn, where they grieve because they're away from God and those ones realize that and they have a true spiritual revelation of who God is in their life which brings them to their knees of repentance. Moves on a bit further. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. No one wants to be meek. Who's asked for a bit of meekness lately? But as we say there, he's like, blessed are the meek. You know, meekness is not weakness, but power under perfect control. Do you realize that? Power, sometimes it's harder to pull yourself back than just to let yourself go. Number four. Was blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This week, did you spend time pulling away and just hungering upon God? This week, did you spend time just pulling yourself away and just opening the scriptures and just reading the scriptures? Because the promise there is is that they will be filled by spirit. We've got to realise that the kingdom lifestyle is power-filled, not power-hungry. And so this morning, I want to go on to the last four and uh, as I was looking through, the, the first one of the last four is, Blessed are the merciful, so they shall obtain mercy. I was thinking about this one. Blessed are the merciful. You now, I've been a pastor for a number of years now, around 18 years. I'm younger than I look, but I'm awesome. Anyway, but. But I've been a pastor, but I do a lot of tests. And, and you know, you do those quizzes about your leadership style and gifts discovery. Who's done a gifts discovery? And, And you go through all these questionnaires and then it tells you a bit about you and a bit about, you know, every test that I get, mercy never shows up. It's at a big fat zero. And then I read a scripture like this, blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. What hope do I have? I actually feel sorry for all of you if I'm your pastor. Don't come to me if your cat dies. I will have no mercy. I will laugh. And I won't be laughing at you, I'll be laughing with you and thanking God for the gift of moving the cat on. Anyway. Ooh, all the cat lovers. But dogs, in other hand, I will pray and I'll come and bury them for you. Because we know where dogs go. But as I was reading through this, I was looking at it, is do you realize that mercy is the disposition or a disposition to forgive and show compassion? That's what mercy is. And I I look at that and I look throughout my life as that, you know, I'm not the most compassionate person. You know, if you hurt yourself, I will laugh. And not with you, but I will laugh at you. It's a gift that God has given me. Because I have this gift, because sometimes people do stuff and you just know how it's going to end. You know, you watch those video clips of, you know what's going to happen. There's a kid riding a bike. You know before it happens that he's going to come off. Something terrible. And you can't help but laugh. But then you go and watch it again and again. I'm that type of person. Everyone's like, Should I leave now? But I'll tell you one thing. For those things, but I am compassionate about the things of God. You know, there comes a time where you look through the life of Jesus. His disposition was exactly that. Throughout the Scriptures, we find that Jesus was moved with compassion. You read it time and time again. Jesus would come to a certain situation and he was moved with what? Compassion. He was moved with compassion for the lost. He was moved with compassion for the sick, for the hungry, for the blind, for the demon-possessed. He was moved with compassion. You know, I am moved with compassion when I see injustices in the world. I am moved with compassion when I see an unfortunate event unfold. I, I, I look throughout my life and And before I was doing this, I was doing youth work. Hey Steve, me and Steve, go back years. But there were times where I would walk into a situation and it would just grieve my heart. Why? Because of the situation young ones had come out of. Because it was no fault of their own. It was because of certain situations within their family, they couldn't stay, they had to move on and it would be a a grieving of my heart. It would be like, God, why do they have to go through that? I look at society right now, and it is broken. And it grieves my heart with compassion to say, God, why do families have to go through certain things? Why do young ones, vulnerable ones, have to go through those things? And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to walk into a room where someone has just cut themselves. And all of a sudden, I have to be there... And at that time, as I am praying, as I am working through this scenario, I, with compassion in my heart, I go, God, right now, will you bring healing to this young soul? I have compassion for the ones that lose loved ones. Those that are hurting through the loss of loved ones. The first funeral I ever did was for a young girl that committed suicide. You now I remember... You always remember your first one. But I, I remember sitting with the family. They're wanting answers. Uh, I've, ne- I've actually never done a funeral. I've actually, this is one of the things that grips my heart, that breaks me more, that a, that a young wife would be robbed by the lies. And as I, I sat there with the mum on the porch, we were just talking about the life of this young one. We were just talking about, okay. How do we want to do this? Where do you want to do this? How do you want it to go? And she just turns to me. She goes, "I've never done this before." That's what she says to me. I've never done. I don't know. How does this all work? And I just turned to her and I looked at her and I was like, "I've never done this before." Either I had to be honest. And she goes, "Well, it's good. Let's do this together." And at that moment, it was like, God, right now, we need you to bring healing to this situation. My heart broke for the lost. I pray, church, that your heart breaks for the lost. Your heart breaks for those that are hurting, those that need healing, those that need a miracle in their life. You know what? This world is robbing us. The devil is robbing our generations that are coming. It's robbing our families, and we need to have a heart that will stand up and declare who God is. You know, he was moved with compassion. His disposition was always forgiveness. You see him time and time again talk to individuals throughout the Bible making the statement your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this man that can forgive sins? He is the Messiah. He is Jesus Christ. He is God in flesh. He has come here to forgive us of our sins. He showed mercy for those that were away from God. He says to the to the woman caught in adultery. He starts writing the the accusers disbanded, but he makes the statement at the end. He says, hey, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You've been forgiven. I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. The moment Jesus hung on the cross, one of the last words that he said, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was full of compassion. He was full of forgiveness. As a church, as Christians, we need to have a disposition. We need to have a default. This should be who we are. We should be merciful in every area of our life. When it comes to the things of God. We should have compassion for the things. For what moves God's heart should move our heart. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. As Christians, we reflect His mercy and therefore are merciful ourselves. The second is blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure of heart. For they shall see God. Matthew 6, 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I look at this verse and I look at treasure. John Wilbur said this. He said, show me where you spend your time, money and energy and I'll tell you what you worship." You know when I read that scripture, it says, "Hey, where your treasure is, your heart is also." Your treasure is a part of our substance. Yeah. But when I look at what is our true treasure in our day and age, I believe it's this: it's not our money, but it's our time. Yeah, that's true. The most valuable thing that you could ever have is your time. Do you realize that? Is because when you've spent your time, you can never get it back. You spend your money, you can earn more. You know, you 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 sell something, you can always buy it back. But when you give your time, you can never get it back, can you? And so my question here is, if you were to look at it, is the pure of heart will spend their time with God. The pure of heart will pull away and all they'll want is to spend the most valuable thing they have and that's their time with God. The greatest treasure you have, or we have, is our time. If you lose your money, you can get it back. If you lose your time, it's gone forever. Do you realize, and I mentioned this a couple of Sunday nights ago, do you realize that the average person checks their phone? The average person checks their phone 100 and fifty times a day, <coughs> who's got their phone with them? So right now, I have a think. How many times have I checked my phone this morning? 150 times a day. They, they check their phone 150 times. You know, if you're a teenager, they only check it once a day, because as soon as they pick it up, it's not leaving their hand. Come on. Okay. So true. So true. It's like, hey mum, I've only done once, you've done 150. But but it got me thinking about social media. You know, with, with social media, how much time do we actually spend on social media? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend those moments where you probably could be with God, but instead you're surfing? Instead, you're just existing. You know, they reckon that most people spend roughly two hours and 51 minutes on social media a day. That's around 86 hours a month. Everyone's like, who's calculating it right now in their head? They're like, have a look at these. Like, you know, and this is America and in Australia, it would probably differ a little bit because we wouldn't be doing, well, maybe we'd be doing YouTube 40 minutes a day, Facebook 35. I reckon if you're over 30, it's probably about an hour and a half on Facebook because it's for the old people. Anyway, Snapchat is <laughs> 25, Instagram 15 minutes, yeah, right, probably about two hours, and Twitter, one, who Twitter? One minute. Like, no one. This has to be an American stat. But as I started looking through this, if you go to the next one, is, is that you will spend, if you're an American, America, you'd spend one year and 10 months on YouTube in your life. You would spend one year and seven months on Facebook. Who's got that much time to spend on Facebook? Or what about Snapchat? One year and two months. Instagram, eight months. If you're in Australia, that's probably a year and a half on Instagram. Or Twitter, 18 days. Twitter doesn't deserve anything, does it? We'll just cut it out there. It doesn't even compare. But then it would be five years and four months on social media. What could you do in five years? What do you reckon you could do? You know, you could watch, in watching TV, we spend about seven years and eight months. Social media, five years and four months. Eating and drinking, three years and five months. Grooming, Dave, one year and ten months. I reckon they just took a guy's percentage right there. Socialising, what about doing the laundry, six months of your life? Come on, let's face it, that was a single person. I spend more than six months. I'll be spending more than six months. I reckon I've already done six months this year. <laughs> you could probably fly to the moon and back 32 times. What else? You could take your dog for a walk 93,000 times. You could watch the Simpsons series 215 Let me tell you this, do you know The Simpsons, I found it this week, The Simpsons have actually been the longest running TV series of all time now. They've done the most episodes and it's something like, someone's agreeing with me, they already know, 640 something episodes. Who's watched them all? (laughs) We will pray for you later. Anyway, (laughs) but see how much time that we waste, it's like where we spend our time, our time. We can never get it back. And here it says, Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Where our heart is, our treasure is. Where your treasure is, where your time is, that's where your heart is. Where you spend your thoughts, where you spend your emotions, that's where your time is. Where you spend your time, your talent and treasure, that's where your heart is. That's what you worship. The pure of heart are the ones Who have accepted His forgiveness and worship Him in spirit and truth. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Number three is, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons of God. Those who share the good news. The gospel, the peacemakers. Those who share the good news. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says this. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, and who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. I love that scripture. How beautiful upon the mountaintops, how beautiful upon the mountaintops are the feet who brings good News. Look at the person next to you. How good looking are their feet? Oh, have a look at their feet. If you want, actually ask them to take their shoes off and have a look. <laughs> but I read this scripture and it's how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet are those who bring. How blessed are those. How, how wonderful are those that bring good news. Everyone loves to hear good news, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. You love people walking through the doors and they say, hey, listen, I've got good news. I hate someone that walks through the door and says, "Say, Sam, I've got a problem. Oh, Sam, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I don't want to hear that. I just want to hear the good news. Just tell me the good news. How good are those people that walk through? How blessed are their feet? You and I are called, the church, are called to be peacemakers. We are called to share the gospel. We are called to declare the good news. You and I are called to do that. Do you realize that? It's not the pastor's job. It's not my job to be the only one out there declaring the good news. Yeah, that's it. Anyone with me? Come on, yeah, it's our job. Right. We are the peacemakers. Wow. Right. We are the ones bringing the good news that the kingdom of heaven is here now. The kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven is right now for all those that receive the good news. Yeah. Jesus proclaimed the gospel, the good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. You know, when the king is present, God's kingdom has come. When the king is present, God's kingdom has come. What that means is when the king sits upon your heart, when the king sits upon your life, he is present in your life and his kingdom has come in your world. Let me say that again. When he sits upon the throne of of your life, His kingdom reigns. His kingdom reigns. His kingdom has come. Right now, His kingdom is here in the lives of individuals. His kingdom is here in ones and twos that believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Right now, His kingdom is here. When His kingdom has come, and He is present in our lives, we become sons and daughters of the Most High God. You and I, believers in Christ, are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You and I are royalty. You and I have authority. You and I have the kingdom of heaven right now backing us to proclaim the good news salvation is here just one more time turn to the person next to you and say how beautiful are your feet (laughs) how beautiful are your feet that you would bring the good news that you would bring the good news (laughs) number four Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, up until now, Jesus has focused on humility, meekness, right relationship, purity of heart, and peacemaking. And you look at those seven declarations right there, the first seven. They're positive, aren't they? They're like, yeah, I, I, can, I can take those ones. They're, they're awesome. But then you look at the last one, and it says this. It says, persecuted for righteousness' sake. I don't know about you, but no one likes to be persecuted, do we? No one likes to be that one that gets the finger pointed out. But Jesus right here, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is is the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus, He was the most righteous man who ever lived. But He was rejected by those that He came to save. The Son of God, you couldn't get any more perfect than that. But He was rejected by humanity, by those that he came to save. You know, He warned us That what was true for him will be true for us. In John 15 verse 18, he said this, If the world hates you, and it does, just want to encourage you today, know that it has hated me before it hated you. I I want to let you know, today we live in a fallen world. A fallen world. What that means is it's away from God. It's away from God's standard of living. It's away from who God is. It's outside of God's best. The ideal that God had was that we'd be all walking with Him. All of humanity in relationship. However, there was a fall. And that's where sin came in that separated us from God. And we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, it doesn't value or believe the things that we value that God holds true. You know, I look at this beatitude and really it's just cold account, um, cultural. Countercultural. I'll get it there. Really it's just countercultural. It goes against everything. Why? Why? Because in society today, the one that we live in, we're often called to follow the crowd. And more and more and time and time we're seeing again right now is just follow the crowd. We'll tell you how to think. We'll tell you what you're supposed to believe. Just follow. But if we question the crowd or we stand up, there is a chance that, you know, we will be bullied. And you see it in the media right now, with certain people that are standing up for their beliefs. They're getting hammered. In some ways, they're actually getting bullied. But if we refuse to believe or have an opinion that differs to that of society, that of what is there, then we actually run the chance of actually being an outcast. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something, some time in your life. We're not called to conform to this world. We're called to transform this world with the love of Christ, with the standard of Christ. And so what is this righteousness? Righteousness. Righteousness is when you find yourself in correct relationship with God. Righteousness is when you act in accordance to God's Spirit. And when you do that, some people are, are going to hate upon you. Some people, are, they're not going to understand what you do. They're, they're going to look at you and wonder why you do what you do. Some of them may laugh at you. Some of them may ridicule some of the things that you stand for. But I I tell you this time and time again. What I've found is that when their world is in chaos, when their world isn't turning out the way that they thought it would turn out, you know where they come running to? To the one they laughed at. You know where they come to find the answers? To the one that is a pillar and that is immovable upon their belief. They come running to you. And all you can do is share the gospel. All you can do is just point to the one true God. To the one true God. And in that moment, they cannot deny who He is because of the fruit around your life, because of your right standing, the blessing and the favor that He has for you that he has for you and also if I was going to put it in the words of Taylor Swift I'm not going to sing it haters going to hate 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 just shake it off shake it off baby that's how you do it Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Father God, I thank you that we could come and just worship you this morning. We could come and just honour you. And Father, we thank you for the supreme blessedness that you've bestowed upon us. But God, with that sermon on the mount, it was more than just blessedness. It was actually us being enlarged to be all that you've called us to be. To be a light, to be pure of heart, to see you face to face, to share your gospel, to show mercy and compassion to those that don't know you, those that are broken, those that are hurting, to be able to stand for righteousness and to declare the word of the true God. Today, Father, we thank you for the honour of being able to worship you have relationship with you. And Father, enlarge us and stretch us to be all that you've called us to be as Christians, as followers of Christ today. Just our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to give an invitation this morning. I don't know everyone in this room personally. I don't know whether you have a background of church, of religion. I don't know if you've had a relationship with God or you've got a relationship with God. Maybe you've walked through these doors for the first time ever and set foot inside a church and you've realized, wow, this is freaky. It's not. It's just putting God in His rightful place. And when you put God in His rightful place in our life, we have relationship with Him. And through that relationship, we worship and we honour Him. And today, I want to ask this question. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't have a relationship with God, I would love to pray with you this morning. All you have to do is say, Hey, I want to believe upon Jesus. I want to believe that He died on a cross and He rose again. Why? Because He paid for a price that we could never pray. Because between us, the thing that keeps us from a relationship with God is sin. And the only way that that can be paid for was through Him hanging on a cross. Not out of our own doing, but out of His doing. His love and compassion for you, so that you could be in right standing with God. And all He asks us to do is believe upon Him, believe upon Jesus Christ. And as we believe upon Jesus Christ, He said that He would send a help of the Holy Spirit to come as a guarantee. Today, if you're away from God, if you don't know God, if you want a relationship with God, And you want to be included in this prayer, I'd love for you just to raise your hand. Just as I look across. Father God, you see every heart in this place. You see every motive. Lord God, today, for those right now that are making a decision to follow you, for those in their hearts that are saying, hey, I want to believe, I want a relationship with God. Lord God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit comes and entwines their life. Lord God, for those right now in this room that have been away from you, that need to come back and spend time with you. Lord God, I I pray that right now, as they come to that decision, as they come to your cross again, and say, Jesus, right now, I believe upon you. Father, upon those ones, Lord, strengthen their relationship. Pour out your Spirit over them as well. And Father, today, that right now that we would have an intimate relationship with you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.